From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. Uncle Funky Larry Jones will be joining us in just a little bit. But on the line, I have uh, representing the As One Foundation, uh, Dr. Tamia Austin, uh, who is the executive director of As One Foundation. How are you? I am well and very excited to talk with you today, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you know, As One is not a stranger to uh, (laughs) this program and at least, you know, talking with me. You know, I met uh, DeVar Darling back in, was it 2013? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. So you're uh, in the family. You are in the family. (laughs) Absolutely. But but for those who are not familiar with, because, you know, Houston has a lot, a lot of people that are constantly, continuously moving here. Uh, So it's like we have to reintroduce ourselves because we have so many new people uh, coming to the area. So um, can you tell us about the As One Foundation and uh, its mission and, and vision? Oh, absolutely. So the As One Foundation gets its name from the fact that DeVard and Devon Darling were born in Nassau, Bahamas. Uh, As a surprise, the parents were expecting twins. Uh, Throughout the birth, the doctors had been hearing two hearts beating as one. But when Devon follows DeVard down the birth canal, everyone was surprised. And this would be significant as we fast forward to them moving to the United States and being educated in Houston, Fort Bend Independent School District schools, they would be recruited nationally to play football and chose Florida State University. They they would describe themselves as no-blooded FSU Seminole football players. Uh, but as they, uh, as is common with the NCAA mandate, National Collegiate Athletic Association, uh, they had to take a pre-participation physical where they learned that they had the sickle cell trait. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, advised to that there's nothing wrong with sickle cell trait, nothing to worry, and they just would need to be careful if they would else with sickle cell trait. Um, because that would have an increased chance of 25% increased chance of having a child with sickle cell. And they were sent on their way, and they played football as true freshmen at Florida State, losing only one game that year. They were one game short of a perfect season. They almost won the national championship. So just inspired young men, they were ready to go uh, that February during off-season workouts. Uh, February 26, 2001, they were coached up that day. You, you know, you're, we're here to see wh- how far you are. Are you ready to work? Your your body is amazing. You'll pass out before you die. You know, they, you know, one man down, the whole team has to start over. And they were going through these conditioning drills and proving that they could come back and win the following season. And unfortunately, Devon did pass out multiple times his teammates were carrying him through the drills and he died that day of sickle cell trait exertion all of this you know high dehydration exhaustion complicated by sickle cell trait and devard would live on and to honor his memory his brother's memory his identical twin brother's memory he would establish the as one foundation once he was drafted 
uh, to the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens at the time, to honor the memory of his brother. And we are now fulfilling our mission uh, to empower families globally, delivering life-saving sickle cell education. The very education that could have saved Devon's life is what we're working to do every single day because, unfortunately, we still have young athletes that are dying. And, and certainly we know all of the pain, crisis, and death that is associated with sickle cell. So our, our mission is inclusive, and through our mission, our work to honor Devon's memory is fulfilled. And, of course, what we're talking about today, we're also – as we mourn the loss of Miss Wendy Darling, who we lost last year, their mother. Yeah, yeah. I remember she passed getting on the same news. day as Kobe. Yes, 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 yes. So that was devastating. That's it was. It, trust me, we yeah, I mean, were it was all a devastated. Double, it was a double punch that day. Because, as you said, tell you me know, about it. Same as yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, wow. we honor Devon and Miss Wendy now through our mission, through our work. And through, you know, this Caregiver Appreciation Day blood drive because, you know, COVID did a lot of things, but also really assisted in this blood shortage that we have um, because everything kind of shut down. And but sickle cell doesn't shut down. Right. Right. And so and and so before we get into um, the blood drive, you are partnering uh, partnering with uh, One Delta Plaza Educational Center. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Can we just. Take it to take it back to med school 101. Can sure, you sure. please explain to those who may not have a clear understanding of what uh, sickle cell and having the sickle cell trait um, means, does, how sure. it is um, developed? Um, just, you know, just so people who are not familiar can have some context. Thank you so much for asking that. The, the, I, I will respond to you, uh, your statement. Sickle cell is, is not developed. It's actually something that we're born with. And, and I say that mm, because okay. there's still a lot of people that think you can catch sickle cell or you can develop sickle cell. You're born with it. You're either born with two copies. You got one copy of abnormal sickle hemoglobin from your mom and one copy from your dad. If you are born with two copies, then you will have some form of sickle hemoglobin, or as we call it commonly, SS. That is what people refer to as sickle cell, sickle cell disease, or sickle cell anemia. If you are born with one copy, meaning you only got one copy of the abnormal sickle hemoglobin from one parent, then you will be a carrier of the trait. Now, to not take you all the way through medical school, there are actually hundreds of traits. There are hundreds of abnormal uh, hemoglobins uh, and multiples of sickle hemoglobin, but commonly we refer to it as sickle cell disease or sickle cell trait. It is also true that uh, if you're a parent and you have sickle cell disease, Every one of your biological children will be born with sickle cell trait at minimum. And the other part of the family planning advising that's not shared enough is that if you have sickle cell trait, 
and you procreate with someone else with sickle cell trait, you have a 25% chance of having a child with sickle cell or sickle cell disease. And that is not just on the first pregnancy. It's not, it doesn't wear out with each pregnancy. So if you have eight children, each pregnancy has a chance, a 25% chance of uh, being born with sickle cell disease and then the, the, then the percentage is uh, 25% chance of nothing and 50% chance of disease, um, of sickle cell trait. This is, this is so important because I have met hundreds, excuse me, hundreds of parents who've said to me, well, Dr. Austin, I had no idea. My husband and I had no idea. We did not know. And that's where the conversation just needs to be. We don't need to go into, you know, if it, you, you shouldn't have done it or don't do it or this, this. But if we want people to have informed, you know, be informed to know your status, number one, and then understand the chances of birthing a child with sickle cell disease or sickle cell trait. Yes, some of them have said, have said to me, had I known, I would have done something different. And others have said, I wouldn't have changed a thing. It's just, I wish I had known. And that is what testing, getting yourself screened, knowing your status. And this is so important here. People, black people, people of African descent, African Americans, however you categorize us, <laughs> melanated, are represented. <laughs> melanated, say. dominated. I love that. I love that. We are overrepresented in the uh, sickle cell and sickle cell trait population. However, this is a blood condition. It is not a skin color condition. There are many hundreds of thousands of people with white skin or pink skin or brown skin that identify as ethnicities of African, Indian, Asian, Irish, Greek, Turkish, Mediterranean, descent who have sickle cell trait and sickle cell disease. And the only way that sickle cell trait and sickle cell disease continues is through birth. It is passed down. It is inherited. It is a blood condition that is inherited. So this is universally important. The universal education that we receive when October comes around and the world turns pink and you see men walking around with pink bras on that may never get breast cancer, but everyone is aware of breast cancer, that is the same type of universal education that is required for sickle cell and sickle cell trait. And that is what the Aswan Foundation is here for. Now, since this is something that um, begins in the blood and something that one is born with, is there a certain blood type that causes um, one to carry the trait? No, it is okay. not a blood type thing. Okay. It is it's, it's just a, a genetic um, edit. It, it basically is a genetic edit that happens um and we don't know why it happens. And yeah, because I was certainly... about to ask, where did this originate from? Like, what were the first cases? Like, when was this first um, discovered? Okay, so um, I'm wondering. This discovery... is just me, like, going through because I'm. <laughs> I, I, I like to go to the origin. Like, everything has sure. a point of origin. 
and so forth. The so, point of mm-hmm, go ahead. Yeah, the the point of origin um, has to do with natural selection, and you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, when we uh, when malaria and in malaria endemic con- uh, countries was very um, dangerous, or still is dangerous. The sickle cell trait formed. It, it just it, it happened as protection against malaria, and it still is protection against malaria. Um, now, the the sickle cell trait is it, it still remains as protection against malaria, but as I said to you, two people that have sickle cell trait have a 25% chance of birthing a child with sickle cell disease. So we that that is that is how the the births happen. And you know and and but that's that's literally why sickle cell trait even happen. Is is because of malaria and the, the you know the the creator that that made us go from you know, walking on four to walking on two and all of that kind of, uh, you know, happening. Is, if you is believe the, that. the same way. Well, if, if you, if you, if you believe that, but even in, even just the natural things of, you know, what are we having? Uh, erosion, you know, these, these types of things that happen over time where nature adjusts mm-hmm. for whatever mm-hmm. reason mm-hmm. that, I mean, to, and thank you for raising that point to get away from the whatever you believe or not. But there is a yeah, natural. Because I'm like, if, if, if that's what y'all say, that we came from apes and became in humans, then how come no other apes have walked up and transformed into humans today? Like, that's all I'm saying. First question, first tough question of the day. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, 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 but it really, it really, in this, in the fact that we have these questions that remain fully unanswered is why sickle cell trait, sickle cell disease needs to be studied, needs to be widely discussed, and needs to be normalized. This should not be an exceptional conversation. And, you know, it's okay because cancer, diabetes, they all had an origin as well. And and I'm talking about the education that's around it. 30 years ago, people are not discussing cancer and diabetes the way that it's being discussed now. And that's essentially what I've accepted our role to be at the Aswan Foundation. We're at that precipice that cancer and diabetes was at 30 years ago. And we're just, we're continuing to break new ground, continuing to have these types of conversations, continuing to uncover and get more and more information and share the information that we absolutely. have so that everyone can be widely educated about absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and that's where I'm at in life um, right now, just unlearning what I've been taught because I've realized mm-hmm. that everything is a lie. And, and, and what I'm realizing about this <laughs> lie is that all of the lies that are being told to us have to deal with us, with us yep. melanated dominant beings it all has to do with us and our true history and everything. And so, but that's a whole another conversation. Uh, you listen to the public it affairs is, podcast. You, it, <laughs> we're talking to Dr. Tamia Austin, the executive director of the As One Foundation. They have partnered with uh, One Delta Plaza Educational Center and the Gulf Coast Regional Blood Center for International 
Sickle Cell Caregivers Day, which is this Thursday, 1 until 6. Uh, it's going to be on uh, OST at the One Delta Plaza uh, on OST, 3333 uh, OST. And um, as One Foundation, they have been, I was first introduced to them back in 2013. It was uh, one of the first organizations um, that I uh, went to an event for. Um, one of the first organizations that I had on um, when this show was then called Access Houston, uh, when I took mm. over that show. Um, so, yeah, as Dr. Austin said earlier, like, you family. Like, yeah, I am family. I mean, it's been, yes, been you are. Seven, yes, eight, you seven, are. eight years almost. Um, mm-hmm. So um, what should people expect on Thursday? Well, People should expect to donate some blood, hold out their arm. And, and what we need them to do, we need everybody. We need black people to show up for us, nothing for us without us. We, you know, before, you know, the, the prior segment, we we're talking about the lies that you know are told about us to us. This is how we reshape that. It is not a lie. There is a blood shortage, and uh, and black folk have a 21% chance of needing blood or needing a bone, uh, you know, a marrow, but we are only represented by 4%. So it's a huge disparity in the number of our need, what rep, you know, number that represents our potential need versus our representation in donations. So we need people to hydrate, hydrate on Thursday, show up hydrated and ready to give blood. And they don't have to wait until Thursday to go ahead and register to let us know that you are coming. This is life-saving blood. People with sickle cell uh, or sickle cell disease, they can be uh, blood transfused as many as you know four or five times per month. And that is blood, that is blood, that's important blood. That that important blood comes from people donating like what we're gonna be doing on Thursday. And it's no what and, and it's not just sickle cell. You know, there are people with other uh uh other uh, conditions that get blood transfusions. Those blood transfusions are provided by generous donors of blood. And it is the best thing because you can donate blood and still have enough for you. So we just need people to, and hydration helps them, uh, uh, the phlebotomist the, um, help, helps them to access your veins easier, easier so it's a less traumatic uh, process. And we'll have snacks, we'll have fun, we'll have music and other information, other health information available. We're so excited for the partnership with Delta uh, and with the blood bank. And we're going to be there for six hours, I believe. So it is. if you don't get to register right now, you can still come and register on site. Okay. And that is going to be Thursday. This coming Thursday, yes. um, July 29th at the... Um, one Delta, I just had it right here, and I lost my spot at One Delta Plaza, 3333 yeah. Old Spanish Trail here in Houston. And 
Dr. Tamia Austin, the executive director of the Aswan Foundation. Man, this was this was great. I could have I almost started to go there with you, but I was like, no, we, we only have 20 <laughs> Another minutes. Another time, but we can't. Oh, yes, we can definitely go there. <laughs> <laughs> we can definitely go there, man. Thank you can so much. Can I just much. say one, uh-huh. one, one last thing just about the date, July 29th. That is Miss Wendy's birthday. Hmm. She, she was born on July 29th, and like you said, we said we lost her last year, the same day that we lost Kobe. So we have decided to commemorate her life, her birth, um, by doing this caregiver blood drive every single year for as long as we can, because uh, there was no caregiver. Uh, she was the personification of caregiver. So this is us caring for each other. Um, by giving this life-saving blood. And what a great way to end this conversation. Thank you, Dr. Austin. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Indeed. And for those of you listening to the podcast, we'll be right back after this. From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, and I am so honored and gracious to have on the line with me a young lady that I've known for uh, a few years now and she is known as the Fibroid Queen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcoming back. Well, she was on, uh, this show used to be called Access Houston uh, and on Magic 102 it used to be called Sunday Morning Live. But now it is the Public Affairs Podcast with myself and Larry Jones. So she was on Access Houston. So now welcoming back for the first time, <laughs> if you will. Phyllis from Pong. How are you, darling? Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm I'm doing well. Um I am just enjoying life more than ever and I'm so so grateful to be here on this platform just to talk about what I love to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um th- we have had this conversation um many times and it's still just uh, a mystery to me that women, especially women of color, you know, uh, melanated, dominant, melanated, dominant women still deal with this issue. And we've thought about, you know, where I've asked you, you know, do, do you know where it might come from? What is the cause of this, this, that, and the third? And, you know, nobody knows anything. Phyllis, I think women are getting these fibroids Due to birth control. <laughs> You're onto something. You're onto something. Because I'm looking at, I'm, I'm listening to these stories. I'm in spaces like that. I'm having conversations like this with women like you who are going through so bad. And even, you know, having uh, endometriosis, like it's just. And so um, a young lady who I was dating on the show, mm-hmm. um, you know, shared with me that. She had never, you know, taken birth control. And now that she had started, she's having all of these problems mm-hmm. and things with her uterus and, and, and whatnot. And that got me to thinking, I was like, maybe it is the birth control pills. And so I started going down a rabbit hole and just looking at, you know, Planned Parenthood and where that started, who owns it, all of that. Like, I just started going down that rabbit hole and, you know, it's deep. But I think that... Yeah, birth control pills are one of the causes, if not the main causes, of you women having this uh, uterine fibroids. You know, and I, I just, I'm so, it's so 
nice to hear from a man's perspective and how you are becoming more aware of this because, you know, that's what we need more of. And the thing is, when it comes to uterine fibroids, which are non-cancerous, again, non-cancerous tumors, lesions that lie in and or around the uterus. And um, it's crazy that up to 80% of of women will get fibroids, but um, melanated women make up a large percentage of that. But also, based on research, 20% actually have symptoms. Um, And the thing is, it's crazy because it's so common. And back to the, the queen in question you were talking about that was on the show, Um, you know, we are told um, from, you know, people we respect, our doctors, our providers, that, you know, this may be the best option for you. Not knowing you have to do your own research and your own, have your own knowledge base awareness to what is going to actually be good for you. Because it's not one size fit all. Exactly. Birth control does not help the situation, right? You already have a hormonal imbalance. That's what the fibroids are feeding off of. And then you're adding something to literally shut down the reproductive system where your uterus is like masa, you know, like in control of a drug, um, which gets you out of sync from nature. Um, Our cycle works on literally a cycle in sync with nature. The birth control takes control of all of that, where we are further away from being in tune with our bodies and knowing what's going on until we get off the pill, then that's when all these issues come about, (laughs) like these heavy bleeding, (laughs) these things, like what happened? What happened? You know? (laughs) So. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a rabbit hole, like you said. Absolutely. Can we talk about, um, who? It's so much because you all go through so much with it, just emotionally, physically, uh, uh, sexually. Well, let's go there. Um, Sexually. um, It's very uncomfortable for for women to enjoy um, particularly intercourse um, with uh, uterine fibroids. Is that true? Oh, that is very true. See, the thing is, like you said, um, Chris, is that it really takes a part of every system in our body. And yet the medical system approaches it as a one way, but it really is our whole being. So when it comes to sex and our relationships, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, some of the common triggers of fibroids, heavy cycles, pain, bloating, Um, you know, urinary frequency, when you're having all that, and then you have that hormonal imbalance where, you know, for most women, they have excess estrogen running through their bodies. We need estrogen, but it is at a high rate um, in our bodies and really allowing this condition to thrive. So, you know, our um, hormones may not be, you know, ready to um, want to even participate in anything um, intimately, let alone where the fibroids are located. Um, something to know when it comes to the size of them. I mean, they can be as small as a you know a pea to as big as a grapefruit, but um, size really doesn't matter when it comes to pain. They can be small and still causing a lot of grief mm-hmm. and pain. Mm-hmm. And then, let alone you know the anatomy of your partner. And, you know, how are you guys, you know, proceeding um, that can really take a toll on the intensity, the pressure. 
So we as women, especially when it comes to culturally, this is not something we want to talk about. You know, this is, you know, it, it really traces back to, I say, you know, slavery days where a lot of the, the emotions and that being carried in our bloodline still exist yeah. um, from the Tuskegee experiment to um, us women looking at as being powerful. So, you know, you don't show your weakness. You don't talk about it. You just deal with it. You know, you just, you know, you just keep it moving let alone all of that stuff is really adding on to this problem that we are experiencing, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, you know, having a relationship. And I've heard women say that this has um, broken their home. This has um, their, their husband, you know, so-called husband left them because of this. Um, and, you know, not even to the, the act of doing it, like, you know, where, again, where the fibroids are located, it can be very, very uncomfortable for the woman to, um, to endure that. And some just take it because they, they are trying to keep their home happy. Some don't talk about it. Some, you know, just go through years. Their partner doesn't even know what's going on. Mm, so yeah. Mm, mm. Well, fellas, let me say this to you. For those listening to this podcast and listening to Phyllis and I have this conversation, fellas, gentlemen, Really, if you love your woman, if you love your queen, you love your goddess, you know, learn more about this. If she suffers from this uh, medical, I don't know, it's not a disease, it's just a diagnosis. Diagnosis. Thank you so much, Phyllis. Um, Learn more about that and be sensitive to her needs and how she feels because it affects all of our queens. I mean, there there hasn't been a woman that I have not come in contact with when this conversation is brought up that has not experienced this. And I was just like, <laughs> yo, like this is just totally out of control. Uh, so let's talk solutions. Um, Phyllis, what is it that, uh, has there been any strides uh, medically, um, scientifically, um, and, and, and even to go the spiritual route, uh, even with, you know, energy healings or anything that can help either diminish the pain or just totally get rid of the fibroids altogether without having to get a hysterectomy. Yeah. Oh my God. Powerful question. And absolutely. So let me just kind of give you um, just a little bit of background of my own personal story of dealing mm-hmm. with fibroids. Sure. Um, so as a nurse, um, and I'm currently in school to become a functional nutritionist, fitness coach, yoga coach, um, yeah. and doing everything right. You know, I was a in bodybuilding world, a fitness model. So I went through... Um, being obese after nursing school, uh, stressed out, um, just, you know, on the go, living at the expense of everyone else to um, being told I had high cholesterol in my 20s. So I, in, in dealing with anxiety, I dropped all the weight and started bodybuilding for eight years. So I looked good, right? Everyone said, oh, you look good, you know, but internally I was suffering. Mm. And um, I feel that lifestyle did not help me whatsoever. Um, it became a toxic world. Um, I was judged on my appearance. Um, most of the competitions, I would be the only one of color. And being told different things, I started to internalize those things. Those things we started to become 
like luggage that I continuously spiritually started to carry. And I think that added on to um, the worsening of my condition where the fibroids progress. So I went from the fibroids being as large as nine centimeters. I had four of them. The largest one was almost nine centimeters. So size of a grapefruit to now being able to dissolve one four centimeter. Not only that, heavy cycles, pretty much non-existent. My cycle length went from eight days long of heavy, um, you know, all of that stuff to now three days light, no pain, feeling my best ever. I mean, you know, just a lot of different things that have improved with no medications, no surgeries, just really um, making this lifestyle um, work for me. And that's what I do for women. I help them develop a holistic, personalized lifestyle to help them. So to answer your question, when it comes to the way you move your body, it's not simply just going out and doing a run, going to the gym and exercises. It's also the connection. Are you there? Are you present? Are you breathing properly? Are you um, using more of, as women, our pelvic floor? We are exercising a lot of the time and not incorporating all of our body. And it doesn't require so much that we need to do as women. We are built, um, especially um, our unique features, to really um, have things balanced where we need to do a lot more of stretching, yoga, and intentional weight training that can really benefit all of our body, including the pelvic area. Because um, I realized during my bodybuilding days that that may have taken a beating because I was so focused on going hard or, you know, unless you just go home. You know, that's the mentality, me head mentality that I had back then. And I feel like um, I may have moved a couple things there that created more stagnation. When it comes to just um, stress. Um, the thing is, we, we carry it in our bloodline from a lot of different things that we're faced with at, at our job, um, at, in our relationship, that we don't realize how much it's causing um, a lot to our bodies. So having a way to really have a self-care day every freaking day, it can be five <laughs> minutes, <laughs> it can be 10 minutes, but we need to, as women, so important. And that's separate from working out. That's not the whole thing. You work out, you stretch, and then you have self-care time. Like that's something that needs to be like hugely in, um, incorporated in the regimen. And then when it comes to um, just our thoughts, I feel like our thoughts create our reality. So if you're always stuck in the negative, you're doing, you hang around people that are, don't cultivate your growth, you're in a relationship that sucks you're doing things that are not helping you, that's just going to make the condition worse, right? And then last but not least, and it goes to a little bit more, but the most important thing as well is what we're eating. We're eating food that just doesn't resonate with our body at a cellular level. Mm-hmm. A lot of the food um, is processed, um, and especially when it comes to soy. Soy, you know, the, the how it's made in the U.S., GML, is just – Particularly, I don't feel like it's made for people of color. It's just, it's just not something our bodies can utilize. Is it even made for people? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? 
Exactly, right? Um, I would say, you know, soy in different countries that resonate with, you know, more of those type of people that they can eat it all day and they're fine. But for us, there's a lot of foods that we're eating that is just not resonating. And I really feel we need to go back to eating our fruits and vegetables. Um, We're we're getting away from nature-like foods, um, microwave, all of that stuff. It's causing, especially women, um, a lot of disharmony in our system because all of those things have excess hormone causing ingredients in it. Not, you know, not even for just the women, but the men, you know, yeah. when it comes to prostate, you know, as women have fibroids, it can look like prostate in men, but a lot of the water bottles, the, the, the products, the skin mm-hmm. products, skin being, being the largest organ and it's very absorbable. Whatever you put on your skin goes directly into the bloodstream. Directly. Like we are absorbing a lot of toxic things. They're called xenoestrogens for the most part. And that's causing our reproductive system to act like go crazy. Mm. And then um, as women, we're just more vulnerable to that. So, you know, Chris, it's just so much things we're faced against in this environment we living in. And it's only getting worse where, Younger women are running into issues with their um their their cycle and different things. And that's what that I'm saying. We're not, like it's out yeah, of control. Like how? Out of control. And if we don't put extra effort into our our belief system, you know, spirituality, you know, whatever that is for you, our um taking time for ourselves, getting in an environment that's conducive for you, really like waking the hell up. We're going to be exposed to so much, and it's not just going to be urine fibroids, but there's going to be a lot more things that are really going to affect our quality of life. Yeah, and the most important thing that you touched on is our diet. Yes, please go back to eating your fruits and vegetables because this processed stuff is not good. And as a matter of fact, you know, you and you were talking about shortages, um, particularly last week, just driving by because I don't eat fast food anymore even though I do seldomly have a craving for Whataburger fries um, but going to driving <laughs> by some of these spots I'm noticing how they're saying that we don't have no chicken we don't have tomatoes we don't have this so like the shortage is stopping so if you ain't eating your fruits and vegetables now well you're probably going to be forced to because your favorite fast food joint ain't even got your favorite chicken biscuit anymore. Wow, that's crazy. Oh, man. You know, so go back to that to that, that that alkaline fruit and 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 vegetable plant-based, you know, diet because we are the earth, you know, and that's what we have gotten away from. But I don't want to go up on this, but uh Phyllis, you are helping uh these queens with uh, your 30-day fibroid fitness challenge. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. And just like you've um, transitioned to a different radio station, I have transitioned into a different program. So now what I offer is this is not a 30-day thing. It's more of um, a lifestyle where women can get jump-started, um, you know, like, you know, for 30 days. But the goal is to do this where this is actually um, for you know, four to six months. So that's one of my programs. It's a womb wellness program. So pretty much you are going to be um, enrolled with a team of women. So it's not just me. Um, I have a herbalist 
as well as a um, naturopathic doctor that consults with my program to help support women on not only um, their doctor's appointments, but advocacy. Um, also, you're going to be able to get a regimen that fits your lifestyle on what to eat, how to exercise. You're going to get workouts with me live along with other women that are dealing with fibroids. You guys are working out together. And, you know, the community is so important. And um, so one of the things that comes with my program is herbal supplements. I think that is something that's so important. We, a lot of the herbs that we are, um, that are, are good and um, supported by a, you know, herbalist or someone experienced can really be medicinal for our body and help ourselves kind of, um, you know, revert back to their normal way of functioning. Um, so herbal um, support, detoxing, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting on the right stuff can uh, really jumpstart the, you know, getting rid of the toxins in our body. And that's actually what I am on. And I put my clients on as well based on their symptoms. So herbal support is very important. And then we go to the diet. So really getting education on, you know, not necessarily, um, you know, what your body, you know, you are what you eat, but what your body's doing with what you eat. Like, where is it going? You know what I'm saying? So. Being able to get the education. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I was going to say, where where do they need to go? Do they go to your website at uh, fibroidqueen.com? Yeah. So go to my website, uh, www.fibroidqueen.com. And actually, I think I do have some startup recipes just to get started on, you know, your journey. But yes. And follow her across all social media, too, at fibroidqueen. Um, man, I just looked at, I mean, we are at our time. Like I was like, oh, okay, 20, okay. <laughs> this 20 minutes, uh, flew by, but that always happens yeah. when we get right. to talking. Listen, Phyllis Frongpong, the fibroid queen, uh, yes. go to her website, fibroidqueen.com and then just follow her across all social media platforms at fibroid queen. Man, thank you. You got to come back. We, this, this is a continuing <laughs> conversation because, you know, we, we've got to, We've got to heal. We've got to heal our women. Yes, we got to heal. Thank you so much, Chris and Larry. All of you guys, you guys are awesome. At Pride Boy Queen on Instagram. I had so much fun. Stay in power, ladies. Thank you, Chris. Oh, you are so very welcome. Thank you, Phyllis. And thank you all for listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. On behalf of Uncle Funky Larry Jones, I'm KG Smooth, and we'll see you next week.